On today's Josh Nason's Punch-Out, we continue our look back at the year that was 2022 in the world of mixed martial arts with part three of the four-part series. Checking out the Sport of Kings, this was a fun three months. It was highlighted by Nate Diaz, sticking it to the UFC in his final UFC fight, at least for now, against an opponent that he didn't expect and the circumstances that we certainly didn't expect. We break that down. We talk about Kamara Usman's last-second defeat to Leon Edwards in one of the good guy moments of 2022. We discuss that and, of course, everything else that happened during July, August, and September in the world of mixed martial arts. Paul Fontaine joins me as always. This was a really fun three months, and I'm very excited for you to hear this conversation. Paul Fontaine, yours truly, Josh Nason, talking about July, August, and September in the world of mixed martial arts. Enjoy. Part three of the four-part MMA Year in Review series is back. Paul Fontaine, of course, is back. Wrestling Observer ratings writer and Fight Game Media podcaster and, uh, and writer and so on and so forth. There, Do you actually do any writing or am I uh, making that up? Uh, I, You know, we d- technically, I think the website is still active, but I haven't done any writing for a while. We're, we're doing more video and audio now these days. I still write for the Observer site, obviously, but oh, yeah. not for Fight Game. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, let's see. Okay, so we are going to go to, uh, for those, I can't imagine this is their first stop on this journey, but if it is, welcome. Uh, this is part two of a four-part series looking at the MMA year in review. Uh, so we look at a little bit different than the pro wrestling year in review, where we do MMA, we focus on three months at a time. So we're going to be focusing on July, August, and September, much uh, different temperatures than it is outside my window and your window uh, up there in uh, Canada. But this was a this was a, a fun three months as I was going through this, uh, especially September. I can't wait to talk about September, so we'll get to that in just a minute. But um, yeah, let's start out with with July. So how I do this again is I scan through the bloody elbow archives, which are uh, very easy to scan through in terms of headlines. And uh, for this month, it was four hundred ninety seven different headlines I scanned through to find different uh, results, news bits, interesting quotes, things to keep in mind that uh, did happen, didn't happen down the road. And so on. So we start out with UFC 276. So this was headlined by Israel Adesanya uh, defending his uh, middleweight title. Yeah, middleweight title against uh, Jared Cannonier, retained the title, unanimous decision. Kind of uh, as we talked about in the series, this was a, a different type of year for Adesanya in that these fights were trending less towards the exciting stuff, which really kind of grabbed people to more uh, workmanlike and uh, business uh transactional i guess you could say in terms of he just did his thing you know defensively did his thing offensively did enough and and uh retained the title that led uh famed uh marvel actor and, and otherwise actor chris pratt he was not a fan of this fight at all and how it went down israel signed still the showman doing an, an undertaker entrance vince mcmahon was in the house for this of course with uh, Vince McMahon, paul levesque stephanie and i believe nick Khan as well uh they were all in the house for this afterwards because Money in the Bank was happening in the same city. This happening, of course, in Las Vegas. So that was a whole thing as well. Uh, co-main event, Alexander Volkanovsky dominating Max Holloway in their trilogy. The Unanimous decision to retain the featherweight title. 
in a little bit of foreshadowing, Alex Brea uh, knocking out Shane Strickland or um, Sean Strickland, not Shane Strickland, Sean Strickland in the first round and uh, setting himself up for a big fight, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Jim Miller on this card, retiring Donald Cerrone after a victory. Brian Barberena uh, knocking out uh, another uh, longtime legend, Robbie Lawler. And then this uh, very anticipated fight between Sean O'Malley and Pedro Munoz ruled a no contest after an eye poke. So there's a lot of different things happening on the show. Obviously, this is their um, International Fight Week show. And this was, uh, again, they're, they're kind of with their bigger draws and stars winning in kind of a boring fashion. There was just a lot of different things that happened on this, and, and there's a lot of different angles we can take. I want to get your thoughts on, uh, on UFC 276. Where's your mind go first? Uh, there was one name, I think, that when you mentioned the people that were at ringside from WWE that you didn't mention. Um, think back. Think back to what happened on, uh, on at Money in the Bank. Uh, and there was an angle that happened after the show went oh, off the air. Oh, uh, Pat McAfee. He had the, the neck brace on. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. And, and the funny thing is, is that if I was watching and I hadn't watched SummerSlam yet or, or Money in the Bank yet, so I didn't know. And I'm like, you know, what happened on the show? And then, you know, and then I watched the show and I'm like, okay, what happened? Like, why was Pat McAfee wearing a neck brace? He's selling an angle that happened off, like after the cameras went off, like that's, that's right. dedication. Yeah. 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 So that was, that was funny. And yeah, Vince McMahon front and center, right in the middle of his sex scandal is just, you know, <laughs> it's got uh brass balls, baby. He certainly um, does. Yeah. 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 Miz got nothing on him. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that, that was cool. Um, you know, as a, as a pro wrestling fan and, and as a, uh, you know, as a mixed martial arts fan, seeing both those worlds come together and, um, you know, and, and it's funny when this show was first announced, um, this was obviously going to be the biggest one because it was, you know, international fight week and everything. And, and WWE was coming in and they were running a show on the same day. And originally it was going to be at the stadium. Right. And then they, they had to move it to, um, to the arena, uh, the MGM because uh, you know obviously UFC's got the, um, uh, the uh, T-Mobile booked which is the big arena there so uh, but it, but it turned I think it worked out well for WWE because they got a sold out crowd and and really hot crowd and and it, they had a really good show and then UFC had a, had a good show as well and um, you know like a big you know in terms of like business I think like you talked about the fights being boring and you know big stars not doing much and that's all true but it also kind of worked out perfectly for them in that, you know, Alex Pereira got that highlight reel knockout um, on the, on the, you know, kind of what they call the feature fight. Um, the, you know, third from the top, um, Brian Barberino and Robbie Lawler was a great fight for the, you know, for the first nine minutes until Lawler got knocked out. And this seems to happen a lot. We, you know, we saw it a few years ago with, you know, like guys like Frankie Edgar and, um, you know, other, other people that you just, you know, they maybe stuck around like one too many fights and I don't know if Lawler's that yet, but seems like he's getting into that territory yeah. and, and it's kind of sad to see, um, same with Donald Cerrone. Um, you know, it, it looked kind of outclassed against Jim Miller and that's a guy that, you know, a couple of years ago, I think Cerrone would have handled pretty easily. Um, and Miller just keeps going like, um, that, that's fun to watch. I, I gotta say as, as he heads towards UFC 300. Uh, with the goal of of getting on that card, so that that was cool on on the undercard. Um, Munoz and O'Malley was you know disappointing that we got kind of that finish to start the pay per view off. So I think between the you know the no contest and the opener, and then kind of the boring main event, and a one sided kind of thrashing that Volkanovski gave Holloway, um, where you know a lot of fans were disappointed, but 
um, overall, it worked out pretty well for UFC. They got the prelims were on ABC as well. I don't think you mentioned that, which was kind of a big deal. Mm. Um, you know, that they were back on network TV for pay-per-view prelims, which um, I don't know that had been done before. And they, and they also ran on ESPN. So between the ESPN and ABC broadcast, like it was the top show uh, for the night in 1849, which is never a bad thing. So um, I think a lot of people forget that. And they were, you know, the prelims also air on ESPN plus. So, you know, the, the audiences for a lot of these shows are a lot bigger than people think because of all the different ways you can watch now. Uh, but ESPN obviously knows, uh, and, and, uh, you know, Disney knows, you know, who's watching and how they're watching and when they're watching. So they, they obviously were pretty happy cause they did it again later. Um, so yeah, this was, uh, I, I think overall pretty, pretty well positive that they did 19,000 fans in the arena, $10 million gate. Mm-hmm. Um, not, nothing wrong with any of that. Nope. Um, and, uh, yeah. So. Yeah. So what do you make of the, look, kind of, there are two, two things on here. I'm, I'm interested in, of, uh, interested in, uh, Donald Cerrone, mm-hmm. um, yeah. his career, obviously, again, it probably, it went a few fights too long for sure. I, you know, I was thinking back on him, um, because again, we don't really take a lot of time to think back. It's always think forward. You know, that WEC run was a lot of fun. I miss WEC so much in that era. We talked about in past things, missing strike force, but WEC, I thought that was just a, so innovative and just it, just a fresh look at things. Um, lower mm-hmm. weight class and so on. I, remember, I just remember really kind of uh, falling in love with him as a fighter on those shows. And of course, he made a perfect transition in UFC and became a fan favorite. One of those guys that, you know, I think when people look back on uh, veterans that never won a title, I think uh, a UFC title, I think he's he's right up there in the top of the list. Came close. He obviously had the big, you know, had that big uh, opportunity against McGregor uh, a couple of years ago, that January fight, McGregor's fight, and then that just ended very quickly. So, yeah, he was one of those guys that he's a, a personality that people in, in our era that have been kind of following along with us will never forget because he just put on really memorable fights and someone that you always knew you were going to get action out of. And it just kind of, you know, started, I think it, for me, it kind of started taking a, a dip after the Darren Till loss in, uh, in London, I believe it was years ago. I remember seeing that and yeah. was kind of surprised. Um, but the, you know, great career, never got that title. And then, you know, again, kind of looking at some of these other names, it's going to be a narrative through this episode, you know, Robbie Lawler kind of coming at the very end. And then Max Holloway, uh, it feels like yeah. he may have not got out of the 145 pound division, at the right time and maybe the the weight cuts and all that stuff the damage he's taken in some of these fights that maybe he chose the wrong time to make a a permanent move to 155 and i his time may have come and gone he's done, had a lot of fights he's been fighting for a, a again a long time you know i uh i don't know i i kind of wonder it's possible he has a, a career resurgence we've seen guys like you know jose aldo obviously he dropped weight but like it's not crazy to think he could have a, a second run at like 155 but uh something has to change with him and i think maybe this was the impetus for for that change i think what do you what are your thoughts uh yeah with cerrone uh for first of all like yeah i i agree and, and the sad thing is is there's rumors that he he's he's wanting to come back already right. <laughs> um yeah which i i don't really want to see and with holloway yeah. i think i think you're right about um you know i think but the, the hard thing is is that you know we talk about that he he's lost to alexander volkanovsky three times and and two of those times a lot of people myself included think he won those fights um, the, you know, definitely the third one was no contest. And, and the fact is, is that, you know, he was outclassed there and that probably is going to end up making him go to 
to light heavy or to lightweight where there's a lot of interesting fights for him there. Um, and, and honestly, like the, but the problem is, is you, you, some of these guys you talked about, like they, they did have these late, late, um, career surges, but Holloway's been going now for, he's been at UFC coming up on 11 years. Wow. And in those 11 years, I think he's fought like 30 times, not 30, but like 20, 25 times. Mm -hmm. And he's been in a lot of wars. And I just feel like when a guy like that um, starts to show some vulnerability, like the fall is going to be kind of hard and fast. And um, I think he's more likely we're going to see like Tony Ferguson than Rafael Dos Anjos, if that makes sense. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yep. um, I hope not because he's one of my favorite fighters, but so is Tony Ferguson. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and what makes these guys your favorite fighter is also what makes their careers sometimes get shorter, um, which is sad to see. But I do think like there's so many interesting fights at 155 for him. If he can last a few years, like he can get right into that mix with, you know, like Chandler, Poye, Geishi. Um, you know, and, and just, you know, get, get one of those slots on that November MSG card that always seems to have like a fight of the night, yeah. which we'll, we'll, we'll talk about in our, in our next show. Um, but uh, yeah, like that's what I'd like to see. And, and, um, you know, Ryan Frederick and I have even talked about, you know, possibilities for interesting fights for him. Like me, maybe we see a, you know, a, another Dustin Poirier fight, you know, for the third time or, um, you know, uh, uh, Charles Oliveira, which, you know, they had that one fight back in Canada in, I think, 2014 that mm. ended early because of a freak injury by Oliveira. So you see that rematch again. And, you know, there's there's other other interesting fights for him at 155. And he puts on some muscle, you know, maybe just changes up the game plan a little bit and uh, and and add some power to his game and, and not take so much so, so many shots. But, uh, you know, if he can somehow keep that speed. So. I'm I'm still interested, but I, I'm going to be watching with a cautious eye, um, yep. I will say. I agree. Let's flip to UFC 277, the other big event in the month. Uh, Amanda Nunez defeating Juliana Pena by unanimous decision to regain the bantamweight title. Obviously, that was a, a big upset that had happened prior, and uh, there was a lot of talk coming out of that. And it was weird. Even afterward, you know, Dana was uh, Dana White was kind of, uh, not slinging mud, but kind of talking shit about Nunez and kind of how she looked and so on before this. And even after this fight, he said that she looked gun shy in the fight and still, again, not really. It's weird because he was the apple of his. She was the apple of his eye for a long time as she was just thrashing women. One little blip and something changed. And now he's just kind of like not. Uh, he's starting to kind of turn on her a little bit, which is. I thought that was a little a little strange when he starts making comments like that. Usually, you kind of try to protect your champions, not uh, not vice versa. Um, Brandon Moreno defeating uh, Kai Kara France in their rematch by TKO to win the interim flyweight title. There was a Devson Figueredo was there, of course, the uh, the uh, linear uh, flyweight champion, I guess you could say. Obviously, they were going to set up a fourth fight down the road. He got in the cage afterwards. It wasn't planned. Dana White afterwards uh, said he thought that the face-off was rude. <laughs> of all people, you have a, <laughs> I love those in, in when you have it set something up for the next time. And it wasn't like he rushed in there and pushed him. But, you know, it's weird. Dana's like, yeah, he's having his moment and all that stuff. I think what it comes down to is because Dana didn't know it was going to happen. He didn't like it type of thing. So, yeah. um, I love that stuff anyway. But, uh, yeah, and then also in this card, Magomed Ankalaya picking up a – Big Tico win over Anthony Smith. Smith ha- had to have ankle surgery after this. Uh, a bad year was going to get worse. We'll talk for him. The next episode, we'll talk about that. 
And then uh, Sergei Pavlovich uh, picking up a TKO win over Derek Lewis as uh, Lewis's slide from being a, a heavyweight title contender to being an also-ran continues. Thoughts about any of that? Uh, yeah, the uh, Pavlovich-Lewis fight, I, I think back to, I, I, I remember it being something where, you know, he got knocked, Lewis got knocked down, and as soon as he hit the ground, he was starting to get back up, and, and the ref stopped it. Right. And uh, it was Dan Mergliata, and when he, when he looked at the replay, he like basically just looked over at Lewis and said, hey, dude, I'm sorry, that was a bad stoppage. Like, he, he totally admitted it, uh, which sucked. But I think like even if it if he hadn't stopped it, like it, it was the kind of fight where Pavlovich was probably just going to swarm him. And, you know, maybe it would have been like 10, 15 seconds later that it would have been stopped anyways. So he maybe just saved him from some more damage. But we've also seen Derek Lewis come back from things like that. So, you know, you never you never know for sure. Um, I, I love the Moreno Figueredo thing. Um, Mar- Brandon Moreno is such a great baby face. Um, and Figueredo was, you know, just, just the, the best heel here. He just kind of challenged him and he was like, you know, da- Brandon Moreno is, um, you know, in Texas and in, um, uh, places like, uh, San Diego and, um, Arizona, like places that have heavy Hispanic populations. Mm-hmm. Like he is so over in these in these cities and he's a guy like they say flyweights can can you know you can't really headline a show with flyweights but i think moreno is the exception and i I do think that ufc is recognizing that and that we might see a flyweight fight one day you know especially if it's him as a champion headlining one of these shows uh in in the right market uh, because really for for ufc like the the gate is almost more important than the buys right. on on the pay-per-view since you know their money is guaranteed anyways so um and and it's always a great fight too and and this was no exception um the, the you know the fight with kaikar france was um you know it's the first couple of rounds were closer and then moreno started to take over in the third round and just devastated him with that with that liver kick and just crumpled him and we saw that a few times this year you know i see a lot you know boz rutin must just be like thrilled watching this stuff because people are, are going to that liver kick a lot yeah. And, um, and, and when you see it and when you, when it's hit, right, it's just, it's one of the most beautiful things in MMA, but also one of the most heartbreaking, depending on which side, you know, you're on, uh, cause you, you, you see like your guy hit that shot and somebody goes down or, or if you're, you know, rooting for the person that got kicked, you're like, Oh, you just <laughs> feel the life going out of their body as, as they fall. And, uh, yeah. it almost looks like a groin shot the way they react. The slow, the slow motion stuff. Yeah. They, they yeah, show that. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's just like, it's one of my favorite things. Um, but yeah. And then, and then, yeah, the main event was, you know, I think Nunez was, I think she was trying to prove a point or something. Like she, she was doing just enough damage to Pena to not have the fight be finished, but wanted to get her 25 minutes in. And mm-hmm. Pena was, you know, she was game. She wasn't going to, she wasn't going to quit and she was going to keep going for things. But Nunez just kept pounding on her the whole fight and left no doubt who the better fighter was. And, uh, and she was so happy afterwards. And, you know, and she, you know, some people, I think there was talk of, you know, maybe, you know, she might retire and she's like, I'm not going anywhere. Like I'm going to keep defending this title till I'm 40. Mm. And uh, she was so happy when it was over. And, uh, you know, and, and like spoiler alert, like a little later on, like her wife is, you know, she's retiring and they're going to have more babies. So I think she's just going to have, you know, just fight and, uh, you know, concentrate on that for now and, uh, and, and be happy doing it. So it, that was so nice to see. Like, I always love to see her. She always seems so happy after the fight and people love her. It's just, it's too bad. She's not more of a draw, but, yeah. um, 
you know, again, this was another show that they sold out the American Airlines Center in Dallas and, you know, big, you know, 19,000 fans, four and a half million dollar gate. Um, nothing, nothing to nothing wrong with any of that. Again, as, as I said the, with the last one, and uh, yeah, UFC just keeps rolling along. That's right. All right, we'll go over this first chunk of other events happening in uh, July. So Daniel Cormier admitted that he did grab the towel at the UFC 210 weigh-in. <laughs> guys remember that? That story was kind of funny. Cain uh, Velasquez's family was suing the man accused of molesting uh, his four-year-old son. Again, kind of going into this uh, accused um, attempted murder charge and, and all that. So that another development there, kind of the impetus for why he went after him. That story obviously still developing. Bo Nickel. Made his Contender Series debut. We'll talk more about him uh, in a minute. Felice Herrick, unretired. Remember last episode, she retired from UFC and MMA. Heading to bare-knuckle fighting, where everyone ends up. Again, no one really unretires. They just wait for the next big payday. Darren Till was out of a UFC, the uh, UFC London co-made event due to an injury. Uh, this is an interesting note. Michael Bisping thought that Alex Perheya would be the one to beat Israel Adesanya. Nice uh, being a soothsayer. Mm-hmm. Their source and yeah. Adesanya later saying that a date with Pahea was in the works. We'll talk more about that in a minute. We learned that Anthony Pettis' June loss in PFL still earned him $750,000. Get that money. You can get it, right? Good deal for Anthony Pettis. Uh, Mackenzie Dern versus Jan Sheehan was set for a October fight night headliner. Paige Van Zandt was set to return to BKFC for a, their London show. That would end up not happening. We'll chat about that in a second. At UFC Fight Night 58, Rafael Fiziev picked up a TKO win over Rafael Dos Anjos in the fifth round. Kind of a last-second uh, affair there. And uh, Jamie Malarkey versus Michael Johnson earned Fire of the Night honors. I did not realize Michael Johnson was still fighting. That's crazy. Oh, I, yeah. I, I remember yeah. going to my um, – uh, it, it was my honeymoon – and just in kind of just hanging out in in the room and, and watching, um, I think it was Nate Diaz and Michael Johnson on my laptop, like in the afternoon one day of something I'd missed. And like all these years later, it's like he's still fighting. That's uh, that's crazy. That's some that's some longevity. Uh, Bigfoot Silva, someone that should not have longevity in the sport, but keeps getting signed to fight. Suffered a standing knockout, a hardcore boxing show. He already had his next fight up next, which was uh, a set, which is against a a kickboxer with a 102-9-1 record. I, I don't understand what's going on here, but we'll talk more <laughs> about him in a minute. Uh, Dana White gave, this was a big story. Uh, Dana White giving his YouTube star friend, who's one of the Nelk Boys, who's a, a, this podcasting, I've never heard this show before, but apparently it's pretty big, uh, gave him a quarter of a million dollars as a birthday gift. Uh, and then, of course, that came up during the whole fighter pay and all that stuff. And then uh, it was revealed at the UFC. No big surprise. They're paying lobbyists to fight this right to organize act. It was already a quarter of a million dollars at this point in uh, in July. They had to disclose all this information for federal reasons. And yeah, basically that you know they were they're concerned about their uh, the hold that they have over their employees slash non employees, which are the fighters. Thoughts about any of that? Huh. I, I like that uh, Daniel Cormier finally admitted to the cheating. Um, I know uh, different people have kind of made fun of him over the years about it, you know, on the broadcasts. And it, Daniel's always been very coy about it. And then finally, you know, he finally just admitted it. Um, the um, Bo Nickel, uh, that, that is, it was amazing because that, that week, uh, that was basically the most talked about thing in MMA and and you almost never hear that on a contender series but it was you know this guy came in with so much hype and he looked so impressive and he's just got the complete package you know the look the the ability uh the talking 
Um, you know, I think this guy is, you know, probably going to be a world champion in the next three years if, if everything goes well. And, and honestly, like it's the margins for failure are not even that big. Like I, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think it's almost a safe bet that, that he's going to be a big star as opposed to, you know, if everything goes well, you know, like I think like everything going well is almost a given, given all the tools this guy has. Um, I was surprised at, um, Anthony Pettis, you know, that. I don't know how PFL is uh, can afford to pay these kind of salaries, but um, you know, he, he, I think we talked about this last week or, you know, I, I feel like I've talked about this before, but Pettis, I think has gone like one in five in PFL. And uh, you know, he, he hasn't even come close to winning any of these million dollar tournaments, but he's probably making more money than the people that are. So I don't even understand, like, I don't get the business model, but um, you know, nobody watches these shows. Nobody goes to the shows. Um, nobody buys the pay-per-views, but the fighters are still making bank. I good for them, but I don't know. Um, and, uh, yeah, Michael Johnson, you know, great. When you told the story about your, your honeymoon and, and seeing Johnson, when I had my honeymoon, UFC didn't even exist. That's how old (laughs) I am. (laughs) Believe it or not, it was February, February, 1991. Oh, Wow. No kidding. That's how old I am, dude. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. That gives that's good perspective. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, all right, so let's go over the rest of the month here. Uh, we'll see yeah. if we can find some more things that date both of us. Uh, Kamara Usman, <laughs> this, is, this is kind of a narrative I saw a lot uh, throughout the fighters talk and stuff, but Kamara Usman kept talking about a move up to light heavyweight to fight for the title. And there's a lot of um, uh, quotes from different fighters in camp being like that. That's not a good idea. Uh, we'll talk more about his his future in just a minute. Uh, ESPN Plus sub, uh, subscription fees were going up. More money out of the fans' pockets. UFC Long Island results. This was this was again. This was an ABC show. We talked about ABC a few minutes ago. This was such a bummer. Uh, this main event. So I remember kind of, you get excited for these main events, and then mm-hmm. there's a couple of these were just like like womp womp. You know what I mean? Like. Yair Rodriguez yeah. getting an injury TKO win over Brian Ortega due to his freak shoulder injury that Ortega suffered. It just was kind of one of those, like, you feel let down for yourself because you invested time watching it, even though you're at home, whatever. You feel bad for fans because they pay to go to this. It just, it just, uh, it sucks as there's nothing you could do about it. It's just kind of one of those things that happens. Uh, anyway, Amanda Limo submitting Michelle Watterson Gomez in the show. Matt Chanel had an ep- was called an epic comeback in this win over. Sum, I can't pronounce the person's name. Sumajari? Sumajari, Suma, Suma, Suma yeah. I think yeah, it sounds about good. I don't remember anything about this fight. I'm sure you do. But it was supposedly this epic comeback win that um, was kind of like pretty pretty crazy. Anyway, uh, and also Lauren Murphy defeating uh, Misha Tate. Uh, in that fight, uh, Chris Wyman said he wanted to return to the UFC by end of year. That did not happen, of course, after that uh, terrible leg injury. Uh, Nate Diaz still making noise about wanting out. Dana White said this quote, we can't hold guys hostage. Uh, yes, you can. And you do. Uh, UFC, you got the 279 headliner. Oh, sorry. Nate Diaz then got a UFC 279 headlining fight against, Hams- against Hamzat Chemaev, which people thought was a public execution. And uh, Dana White defending the booking, saying that uh, all these people telling us how to uh, how to run our business uh, you basically, you know, we're really successful, so shut up. So his usual line there. Uh, Frankie Edgar requested that his final fight be at UFC 281 at Madison Square Garden in November. We had uh, UFC 280 taking shape. We had Aljamain Sterling versus TJ Dillashaw. Sugar Sean O'Malley versus Peter Yan. 
Uh, so not deterred by that uh, decision when we just talked about the no contest, rather. And then uh, the show is going to be headlined by Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makachev for the vacant lightweight title. So obviously a really loaded card being planned for 280, which we'll talk about. Dana White wrote a letter of support for Cain Velasquez. At UFC London, another one of these womp womp injuries in the main event. Curtis Blaze defeating Tom Aspinall in just 15 seconds after Aspinall suffered a knee injury that ended up be, uh, being a torn ACL. He would uh, undergo surgery for Jack Hermanson defeated uh, Chris Curtis. Uh, Curtis was an injury substitution by, for um, uh, Darren Till. Uh, Patty Pimblett on the show, really kind of the show built around him submitting uh, Jordan Levitt. And then uh, Nikita Krylov knocking out a uh, friend of the show, because we always talk about Alexander Gustafson. <laughs> that led Dana Cormier say afterwards that Gustafson should probably retire. And then the uh, Ameri- uh, Association of Boxing Commissioners, the ABC, looking to make 2023 changes to rules for down fighters. Also, eye pokes, um, that has to be uh, voted in. So we'll see what that happens or what happens with that in the year ahead. And they also released infographics to judges to better help them just judge and score fights. Thoughts about any of that? Uh, I, I will say that when Usman started talking about moving to light heavyweight, I did make the prediction that um, usually when that happens to people, when they start talking about moving weight class, and this one was really weird because he's talking about jumping too. Um, that it generally doesn't seem to go very well for them in the weight class that they're supposed to be in. And that would prove to be prophetic, uh, you know, spoiler alert later in the year that Usman would shockingly lose his, his welterweight title, which, you know, uh, I know not a lot of people saw coming. Um, the the uh, two main events, these were in back-to-back weeks where we had a main event that ended early due to injury. And, yeah, it was uh, really like for the people like me, that watch every single week uh, that's a real bummer but then for i think in this case specifically like these were actually two fairly big shows for non-pay-per-views like the ufc long island it was on e- abc and it kind of had that feeling of like the old uh when you would wouldn't watch like a boxing match on a, on a saturday afternoon and that's what this was and and you know it kicked off with um lauren murphy and misha tate in the opening fight and it just kind of had that you know that expression gets used a lot, but big fight feel like it was, you know, it's New York and it's ABC and the announcers even were wearing the old school wild world of sports jackets. Like, yeah, the mustard colored jackets. Yeah. 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 So it was, you know, kind of had that feel and then you get to the main event and, and the show was pretty good leading up to that. You know, you had that comeback fight that you were talking about um, where it was basically just Samarji was taking them apart and then, uh, you know, Matt Schnell just kind of had got locked on that kind of Hail Mary submission and, and got got the submission in a fight that he was losing badly, um, you know, almost at the end of the second round. So that that's kind of why that was called an epic comeback. Um, you had Li Jingliang, you know, pulling off an upset win. And he's a guy that everybody likes uh, over Muslim Salikov. But then we get to that main event and, uh, you know, it ended early and it was a fight everyone was looking forward to. And then the the following week they they they're in London, which is another big show, you know, a, a huge gate yep. uh, for fight night, and um, and and the, it was such a interesting card because we had uh, like you said the, it was built around Patty Pimblett, and he was third from the top, and you know we had Molly McCann in the uh, earlier in the show, and she got a big win, and the crowd was just going nuts for her. And then we saw Gustafson get knocked out and then Pimblett just the place went unglued and he cut this great promo after the fight where he was talking about his 
buddy that had committed suicide and saying like, if you, you know, if you need to talk to people, you need to do it, you know, real men can cry and all this stuff. And it was just like so emotional. And then the rest of the show just kind of felt like the, you know, the post limbs um, because we had a really boring fight with Jack Hermanson and Chris Curtis. And then we had that main event where, you know, Tom Aspinall was, you know, the next big heavyweight hopeful for the yep. UK that people are talking about as a future world champion. And then he goes down with a freak knee injury 15 seconds into the fight. And it was a bad injury. Like he's going to be out for a year just yeah. by stepping wrong. So, you know, it kind of left things on a bad note. And then, you know, the rest of the year wouldn't go as well for old Patty and Meatball. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> Meatball took a knockout loss and Patty lost a fight but still got the win um and yeah so it was you know this was kind of the peak and and honestly it, we may end up looking back at this years later as this was like the peak of patty pimblet like we'll see if he comes back but um you know he's got some work to do um but yeah that uh, that was the big stuff a lot a lot of stuff from those two uh, fight night shows but again this it was a big month for ufc with the two pay-per-views and the two fight nights um, you know, and it, and it kind of got people excited because we had like, you know, four shows in a month with, you know, in fans and the, and the buildings going nuts. And then, you know, we're right back to the apex. And it's like, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> so let's flip to August and 467 headlines scanned for this one. So right in the, the usual wheelhouse here and really kind of, you know, going through this, this was kind of a, the transition month that we always have these transition months throughout the years. We've done this series throughout the years. We kind of are the pick these out and this was one however a very big result ufc 278 a last second last minute head kick ko leon edwards defeating kamar usman to win the welterweight title to end kamar usman's impressive streak after winning the title run of dominance this was uh again this was such a you talk about feel-good stories this was such a feel-good story because leon edwards mm -hmm. had been bad luck screwed over looked over Bad luck again. Just after the pandemic, if you go through this timeline, it's uh, it's just so unfortunate. And for him to get this win in this rematch was, again, one of the feel-good stories of the year for sure. Uh, Mira Va uh, Valishvili defeating Jose Aldo via this decision. That would be Aldo's final fight in the UFC. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, Paul Costa defeated Luke Rockhold. This was a wacky fight, to say the least. And uh, just both guys tired. Zombie fighting. Uh, before this, Paul Costa revealed he was going to be fighting out his UFC contract. Uh, Luke Rockhold retiring after this uh, fight. We'll talk more about that because, again, fighters never truly retire. Uh, we learned that USADA did a weigh-in day visit to Costa as he was uh, making weight. Dana White not happy with that, saying that will never happen again. Uh, Costa broke his hand in the fight. And Dana White, after saying that the first title fight for Edwards would likely be in the UK. So we'll see uh, when that actually happens. But this, uh, again, this was you know not not one of the pay-per-views of the year, I would say, but this was one of the moments of the year for me. And again, there's certain guys in, in this, you know, in the fight game, we tell they're from the outside, good guys or okay guys or bad guys. And Leon Edwards is, is the, in that good guy bucket for sure. And just someone that just, again, got that, that Masvidal fight should have happened that could have made him a, a bigger star. That didn't happen after the whole two-piece in a soda or three-piece soda, whatever that, that the phrase was. Uh, when that backstage, he was just kind of like, just overlooked and just, to me, not treated that well. And he finally got his opportunity, and he had this, again, miracle last-minute head kick KO. And, again, ending this amazing win streak at Kamar Usman. He's talking about going to light heavyweight, kind of looking ahead. 
and Leon Edwards uh, put an end to that. Yeah, the it's funny because the announcers even during the fight were you know basically doing the eulogy for Leon Edwards. You know they were like, well, you know if he can last till the end, that'll be a moral victory. And yeah. you know Usman was just you know he was clearly I think there was like one round that was close that maybe Edwards got, but you know clearly Kamar Usman was going to win. You know either four to one or five nothing, and uh, and then yeah he just hit that head kick, and and out of nowhere. But yet it was something that, you know, he said afterwards, you know, I've been practicing this. I, I knew I would have the opportunity to hit it. I just didn't know when. And when he did, he hit it and, you know, he took a shot. It's like, you know, the old M&M shot. You got one shot. You got one opportunity. Um, and he took advantage of it. So, uh, you know, good good on him. And, uh, yeah, and they, you know, Dana White talking about it being in the U.K. It's looking like March uh, coming up that they're going to have a pay-per-view in London. And originally they were going to do the rematch and then you know, Usman might not be ready. So there is a chance we might actually see the Edwards Masvidal fight finally, mm. um, you know, for the title is, is what, you know, I'm, I'm hearing. So we'll see if, if that happens. Um, that Paulo Costa, Luke Rockhold fight. I think we talked about this a bit on the last show when, you know, you mentioned that it was announced and um, I have, I, I'm sure I've talked about it on this show. I've definitely talked about it on my own podcast a lot. I've always hated Luke Rockhold, yeah. like with a passion. <laughs> Um, you know, one of my least favorite fighters of all time uh, from the first time I saw him uh, in uh, Strikeforce Challengers. And um, and here it's kind of like a Michael Bisping thing where, you know, like when he's finally at the end of the road and, uh, you know, and, and he's the warrior going out on his shield. Um, and and I I actually he won me over in this fight. And by the by the end of the fight, I was like rooting for him. And if he ever comes back and he might. I'll probably be cheating for him. And, and, you know, it's the same thing with Bisping. I hated him for years and years and years. And then, uh, you know, at one, one point it turned around and, um, and yeah, that was the same case here. Uh, it helps that Paul Costa is like an idiot. Um, so, you know, like, I don't really hate him. He's just like, he's so dumb. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And, and so Rockhold, you know, and he, he takes that being, and then at the end he's being interviewed and he's just says, you know, I'm too old for this shit. And I'm just, oh yeah. Preach brother. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and speaking of, you know, too old, you know, you just kind of briefly touched on it, but you know, Mira Vallis really taken apart Jose Aldo. And then they had a really nice moment after the fight. And uh, basically in the cage, Aldo told him that he was retiring. He didn't announce it till later. Like, I, I don't even know if it's on the notes here, but, but, you know, this would, he did retire. I, I you know, and, and for, from all intents and purposes, like you never know in, in UFC, but this one feels a little more real than most. And it, it added to, I think, cause I think we talked about it on the last show. Like there was a stretch of just week after week, we, we, we saw more and more people retiring. And this is like one of the OGs. Uh, you know, you talk back to the, um, you know, WEC you know, with Cerrone earlier and, and Aldo was right there. And he's one of the first guys that got me. He is, honestly, I'll say the first guy that got me hooked into watching. If there was a free show, this is before I was buying all the pay-per-views, but if there was a free show on TV and all those WEC shows were free, mm -hmm. I was watching because, hey, I might see a guy like Jose Aldo. Um, you know, when when I first saw him, I didn't know who he was. And it was like, oh, my God, like this guy's amazing. And, uh, you know, you just see these highlight rail knockouts and before long he was a champion and, and you would see that on WEC, like every show. So it's like, okay, if, if there's a, if there's an MMA show on TV, I'm going to watch cause I might get to see something like this. And I still wasn't convinced to buy all the pay-per-views that came later, but, um, Aldo is one of the very first guys that got me hooked on watching the TV shows every week. So, yeah. um, yeah, it, it was sad to see him go, but, uh, you know, nice to celebrate his career.
Let's go over this first chunk of uh, other stuff that happened in the month of August. James Krause retiring from MMA competition. We'll talk more a lot about him <laughs> yeah. next month, for sure, on the other side of the end, uh, the next episode, rather. Uh, Artem Loboff, and then this uh, story was, was developing. We'll talk more about this. Claims that he came up with Proper 12 and claims that he turned out a million-dollar offer from Conor McGregor, uh, I guess, early on. But, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that. Friendship dissolving soon. Dustin Poirier versus Michael Chandler was in the works for UFC 281 after being talked about for months and months and months and months and months. Fedor said that his retirement fight was likely for January 2023. Patricia Pitbull versus Adam Borks was set for Bellator 286. Speaking of Conor McGregor, he was set to appear in the Roadhouse reboot. So no Ronda Rousey, but Conor McGregor would be in it uh, along with Jake Gyllenhaal. Vanderlei Silva announced he was going to be running for Congress in Brazil. Uh, the aforementioned Israel Adesanya versus Alex Bahia fight official for UFC 281 in November. In UFC Vegas 59 results. Jamahal Hill picked up a big TKO win over Tiago Santos. And then Jeff Neal picked up a big knockout win over Vicente Luque. It feels at this point like Vicente Luque's uh, moment has ended uh, based on a you know, string of losses, something like that. He had this very... He kind of fit in that fun fighter mix, you know, of uh, eight times on a show. You know, you get a good fight, and it seems that the uh, the results, however, are not kind of keeping up with that. Um, a fight I never need to see, Tito Ortiz saying he wanted to box Jake Paul. Uh, Cody Garbrandt's bantamweight return for the UFC got delayed. Your favorite fighter, Cody Garbrandt, one of them. <laughs> uh, the aforementioned Anthony Pest lost again in PFL. Suffered two hand fractured in his fight to uh, Stevie Ray, of course, not of uh, Harlem Heat fame. Bo Nickel picked up a win on the Contender Series. They said there was no deal with the UFC yet, even though everyone involved thought that was kind of bullshit because <laughs> there's no yeah. way that all of a sudden they were going to let him without a contract. This isn't a Dragon Lee situation, Paul. It is, uh, oh. There's no way that uh, UFC was going to let Bo Nickel get away. Uh, Judah Jean LaBelle, speaking of Ronda Rousey, he passed away. Again, a, a fixture in uh, both uh, wrestling and MMA for a, and, and mixed martial arts for a, or martial arts in general for a variety of reasons. Uriah Hall making his uh, retirement uh, from MMA. Jared Cannonier versus uh, Sean Strickland was tapped for a fall fight night headliner. Sam Alvey was finally done with the UFC after nine straight fights without a win. I include this in here not because he's a star, but it was just it was this weird like this narrative of like why is this guy still fighting? He just he was getting knocked out, defeated, and the, I again we come from the um, the time frame when usually guys and girls if they lost three fights in a row would lose. And granted, it's a lot different now because they have more cards and stuff to fill. But nine fights, I mean. Five fights felt like, okay, what are we doing? Six fights, like, what are we doing? Seven fights, what are we doing? Eight fights, what are we doing? finally, <laughs> nine, it was. It just felt like this uh, this weird thing. But uh, finally done with the UFC after nine straight fights with a victory. Uh, Dana White revealed that he turned down a Hulu partnership on this Mike Tyson docuseries, or a scripted series, rather, on Hulu, uh, due to his friendship with Mike Tyson and, and Tyson not wanting to be basically saying that he had not uh, signed off on it. So... Dana White talked about that. Uh, Yuri Prohashka versus Glover Chair 2 was planned for UFC 282 in December. Oh, that would change quite a bit. UFC returning to Brazil for the first pay-per-view of 2023. Again, when I think of UFC in Brazil, I think of the, that uh, empty arena show uh, during the pandemic, yeah. kind of that that whole thing. They were insistent on running there. Uh, and I guess we'll, we'll stop there. Thoughts about any of that? Uh, yeah, James Krause. Uh that yeah he was a name that we're gonna hear a lot of um i you know that was more of a formality because he hadn't you know he's more of a trainer and uh right and uh with a side hustle um but uh, the fighting was you know probably the third on his on his income uh 
level, so you didn't really need to be doing that anymore. Um, Fedor uh, retiring, I think that you know that ended up becoming you know he said January. I think it's going to be February that that he's doing his retirement fight, so that wasn't very far off. Um, we had not a lot of talk about Bellator on this show, but you mentioned Patricio, so yeah, him, him and Adam Borix. I, I, you know, I don't know if they were dark or what, but we're we're not certainly not talking about them so much in in this episode. Um, and uh, do, 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 do the uh, Judo Jean LaBelle. I I was just listening to your uh, pro wrestling, and you talked about it on that one on the on the August episode as well. And a lot of times on these shows, when you're uh, you know you're looking back and you think oh, wow, I can't believe that happened this year. And, you know, like, you, you don't realize. And this one, like, I can't believe that that happened, like, in August. It feels like it was just a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. So time plays tricks on, on your mind sometimes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there, a lot of people in pro wrestling and MMA were affected by that, um, you know, uh, death and, and Ronda Rousey being, obviously, the most prominent one uh, in, you know, obviously a big star in both. Uh, and Uriah Hall retiring, um, you know, another, uh, you know, high-profile high retirement retirement and this one was weird because that's somebody i watched you know from the start of their career you know he was on uh the ultimate fighter and people were talking about him as like the next anderson silva and uh, you know he had his ups and downs and seemed to be the kind of guy that you know every time he had a, a fight that he was expected to win he would lose and every time he was in there against somebody that he had no business beating he would win and um you know just a very uh, enigmatic career and, uh, you know, and probably the biggest moment for him was was when he, you know, fought against Anderson Silva in, in his retirement fight. And, uh, you know, and then he had that that fight against Chris Weidman where he, uh, you know, where Weidman got the injury and Hall was just stoic, um, you know, after the fight. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, it was very, very interesting career with with your eye hall. But uh, sad to see him go. And Alvi, it was time. Um, I think the reason he got so many fights is because, you know, he's so damn likable and he would fight anybody at any time. And, you know, and, uh, you know, he has the nice looking wife at ringside. That doesn't hurt. Um, you know, the, the signature theme song, you know, hey, you know, the, the uh, uh, sweet. What is that song like? Uh, Hey, soul sister. What? Oh, Ain't yeah, that it's, Mr. A, it's Mr. a train on the radio. It's a train. Yeah, song. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, he's kind of a signature star, and I wouldn't even be surprised to see him back if he picks up a couple wins on the regional scene. But I would also not be surprised to see him retire. Um, you know, he's in that Chuck Liddell camp, and uh, you know, he's probably not getting the greatest coaching either. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, but uh, you know, sad to see him go, but it was time. Yeah. Boy, between the uh, Eminem rapping and uh, the train scene, I mean, you you have a, a karaoke. It's my gimmick. Yeah, yeah it's it's my gimmick. On on my podcast, you'll hear me singing like almost every week. Interesting. Any plans <laughs> yeah. for an album in 2023? Can we break that news? Hey, yet? you never know. Oh. You never know. I got got this new setup now. <laughs> All right, let's go with the rest of the month here. Uh, let's get some results. You see, San Diego, Marlon Vera, Cheeto Vera, knocking out Dominic, Dominic Cruz after a. Really awesome head kick. This was a great month for head kicks, right? I mean, this was a, mm-hmm. a no-doubter. Um, and uh, you mentioned uh, Nia Nunez uh, retiring after a win over former prospect Cynthia Cavillo. And Cynthia Cavillo, I mean, she was one that we've talked about before that Dana Way was like, he was all about. Thought she was going to be like the next thing. And then it just went whew, quick. Uh, and then uh, Nia Nunez retiring after victory over her. And then there was a fight of the night, or fight of the night candidate, uh, or fight of the night winner, between uh, Nate Landwehr and uh, David Onama. Uh, Rory, Mac- Rory McElroy. Rory McDonald uh, retiring after a uh, loss in the PFL playoffs. 
So his uh, his run came to the end. Uh, quite a quite a career for him. We can talk more about that in a minute. Uh, speaking of quite a post retirement career, BJ Penn losing his Hawaii, <laughs> losing the primary for uh, running for the governor of Hawaii. However, he did not concede. Big surprise. Uh, a Dana White not happy with this one. Shane Burgos, the Hurricane, signing with PFL. Dominic Reyes, former light heavyweight title contender against John Jones. A lot of people thought he beat John Jones in that fight. Uh, returning to fight. Ryan Spann at UFC 281. That would end violently. We'll talk about that. UFC 282 got Robbie Lawler versus Santiago Ponzinibbio. Uh, Paige Vincent was pulled off that London show we talked about a few minutes ago, the Bare Knuckles show, due to logistical concerns, which I'm not sure what that could mean. Uh, Weili Zhang challenged Carl Esparza for a strawweight title fight at UFC 281. Francis Ngannou, we haven't talked about him a lot since January, claimed he lost a million-dollar crypto deal due to the UFC's crypto deal. So that uh, back and forth continues. Dana White went off on the media, really specifically Mark Raimondi, uh, not talking about it by name, but ESPN, about some fighter pay comments. They made a GQ deal. Uh, Some of Dana's quotes from this were essentially that unless you do the interview with somebody, you shouldn't be able to report on it. So kind of keep that, you know, in mind that for journalists uh, taking advice from Dana White, it was a, uh, he was not very happy about that, but uh, hey, you say say the stuff, you put it out there, that uh, that's what happened. Uh, Gilbert Byrne claims that he and Jorge Masvidal had a verbal agreement to fight at UFC 283. That would not happen, of course. Mike Perry picking up a win over uh, MVP Michael Venom Page in sudden death in a in their bare knuckle clash at uh, BKFC 27. Tony Ferguson announced a move to 170 pounds, fighting at UFC 279 against. The leech, Li Jing Wang. We'll talk more about that because that certainly would not happen. Eric Silva, yeah. uh, he was, I threw this in. He retired at 38 after suffering a post-COVID heart attack. Eric Silva is one of these guys that had the look to be a megastar uh, in a lot of ways. I remember him fighting uh, in the UFC and just never was really kind of able to get over that hump. Uh, really kind of had a good look, but uh, didn't really have the, uh, the fight the skills to match that up. Uh, a couple of managers making comments saying that uh, Justin Gaethje not returning until early 2023 and that Conor McGregor not returning until 2023. We'll, uh, we'll, won't wait with bated breath on that. Uh, Dana White said he was making plans for Colby Covington to fight soon. We would certainly uh, not see him by the end of the year. Miranda Maverick, someone that the UFC seems to be uh, firmly behind, signed a new deal with the company and her fight that she had scheduled was, uh, was rebooked. Uh, UFC announced they were heading to Orlando for a December fight night. Again, getting out of the apex. John Dodson won his bare-knuckle debut. Rampage Jackson wants to fight again. Zabit uh, Magomed Sharapov said the main reason that he retired was the UFC did not keep a promise of giving him a title shot. That was a main reason that he retired. Uh, Vadim Nemkov versus Corey Anderson, too, for the uh, light heavyweight title was set for Bellator 288. The rumors began about Jake Paul and Anderson Silva boxing. UFC October main event was off after uh, Sean Strickland got an infected finger in that fight against Jared Cannonier. And it's a very light card uh, at this point. Again, we're talking back in uh, in August, but there was not a lot of excitement about this. The lineup for this October fight night and the UFC released three relative no names. Thoughts about any of that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, not a ton there. The UFC San Diego card was a lot of fun. It mm-hmm. was a big, um, a big, uh, a crowd and and really hot crowd and Marlon Cheeto Vera picked up you know obviously the biggest win of his career people started talking about him as a bantamweight contender when he you know uh, knocked out Dominic Cruz and there's another one where you know not quite as bad as you know some of the other guys we mentioned like Robbie Lawler and Donald Cerrone and that but 
you kind of had a sense watching this fight that yeah, Cruz still had you know the speed and and the defense and everything, but it, it just seemed like all it was going to take was one shot and he was going to go down, and and that's what ended up happening. It took till the fourth round, but I just I feel like Dominic Cruz's best days are definitely behind him, and the the longer he keeps fighting, it's we're going to see more and more of this. It's going to happen quicker and quicker. You kind of glossed over Landaware and Onama as fight of the night. This was honestly like one of the best fights of the year. Um, I, I think Teixeira and um, Prashaska is going to, or no, sorry, Teixeira and, um, uh, yeah. gosh, yeah. who is it? That, yeah, Prashaska. Prashaska. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, yeah. Yeah, that's going to win fight of the year. But um, this, honestly, like if, it, if you don't consider the stakes and you just think of just the actual fight, this was one of the wildest fights you're ever going to see. Like they, they, these guys just just were killing each other, like back and forth. This was like Bonner mm-hmm. and um, Griffin, but way wilder. Like, yeah. and if you didn't see this, like, trust me, if you're listening to this right now, and maybe you know you didn't watch every show this year, and you have Fight Pass, go or ESPN Plus, go back and watch Nate Landwehr and David Anama, and thank me later. This was a great fight, um, just just unbelievable. Like I can't even words don't describe. Um, and the other one thing you didn't mention from this card, and it was kind of a big deal, third from the top on the card, very high profile position, was two la- ladies, uh, strawweights, making their UFC debut, which you almost never see. Mm. Uh, Yasmin Jaragwe, 23 years old, and her opponent was Jasmine Lucindo, 20 years old. And these ladies, if if Landaweir and Onama hadn't been in fight tonight, these these ladies were going to get it. Like they had a great fight as well. And Jaragui was super over. Uh, she's a Mexican fighter, and they're in San Diego, so you know there's a lot of people, you know, Mexican fans in attendance. And she's somebody that UFC's uh, got a lot of um, uh, hope for. She fought again later in the year. She's now ten and zero. And, um, you know, she's a prospect that, you know, probably going to be fighting for a title in the next couple of years. So somebody you definitely want to keep an eye on, uh, if I can just pronounce her name right. <laughs> Yasmin, I think it's Yasmin Jaragwe. Uh, but yeah, big, uh, I, and I didn't know anything about her going in, but, uh, you know, Ryan, who, you know, my, co- my podcast partner, who is real tuned in on a lot of UFCs, he's like, tell me, you know, just keep an eye on this girl. It's, she's, she's something special. And he was right. So, um, I, I find it interesting Dana White going off on the media and Mark Romani in specific. And we'd see this as well, like just recently in wrestling where, you know, like uh, Tony Khan was going off on media. And I, I think like it's these promoters want to have their cake and eat it too. Like they're oh, yeah, perfectly fine with the media coverage when it's good for them. But, um, you know, in this case, like Mark Romande was just telling people the truth. And, you know, like UFC is paying their fighters 17 to 20%. Of, of their revenues and non-UFC fans that hear this, like they, they think of like, I've seen it, like they're calling them criminal. Like they're saying it's criminal that, you know, you, the promoters are taking 80% of the, of the revenue and any other sport it's like, you know, 50, 50. And, and I, and I, my answer to that is, well, get a union then, because until there's a union, like Dana White's just not going to give money away. So, um, you know, I, I, it's, it's never going to change unless no. they unionize and they're not going to unionize. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. And Eric Silva, um, another one retiring, no, not as big a name as some of the other guys we mentioned, but I did, I was in attendance. That was what was probably his biggest fight, which was the first time I ever covered a UFC, uh, live, uh, as a, as a media member was a UFC, uh, fight night in Saskatoon. And he was mm. in the co-main event against Neil Magny. 
lost a split decision and kind of, you know, the beginning of the end for him. Um, you know, he, from that point on, he was two and six, uh, over his, you know, over the rest of his career. And he only had a couple more fights in UFC. Then he went to LFA, finished out the string in Bellator, losing his last couple fights. So, um, yeah, you're right. Like he looked the part. And I think even that Magni fight, like if he had beaten Magni, you know, his career trajectory probably would have been a lot different, but Magni has kind of always been that uh, UFC welterweight gatekeeper. And um, unfortunately uh, for Eric Silva, he couldn't get past him. So, uh, you know, good, um, you know, and sucks that, you know, COVID uh, took, took somebody because yeah, he hadn't fought in three years and I guess uh, now he's not going to fight again. All right. It's time. Let's flip to September. 482 headline scan. And this was, uh, this was awesome. I I love this type of, stuff that happens around uh <laughs> these events so ufc 279 madness i called it so this was this is in vegas correct uh, i believe so yeah I believe so yeah so this was set to be headlined we just talked about from uh nate diaz and hamza chemayev which a lot of people thought was going to be a, a murder uh in, in a lot of different ways i don't think there was any real other than dana white himself i don't think anyone really thought this was going to be a competitive fight so leading into this, the press conference, the pre-event press conference was canceled. Everyone was there, but it was canceled due to this backstage skirmish that involved Hamza Chemayev, Kevin Holland, and also Nate Diaz. Just a, again, everything is pro wrestling, right? There's just, you hear about stories all over the place and Chemayev and Holland have been chirping at each other on social media for quite some time. And then the camps got involved. It was just a whole thing. So uh, Dana White actually brought out a couple people and then just said, this isn't working and just canceled the whole thing. So then lead fast forward to the weigh-ins. Hamza Chimaev missed weight badly and then chaos ensued because how are you going to, how are you going to make this happen? They want to have Chimaev on the show. You obviously had a, a prickly pair to, to, to negotiate with and Nate Diaz who already had been very uh, pro getting out of his UFC contract was finally at the doorstep of, uh, of, of finally getting his freedom. And of course this happens. So he wasn't going to let anything slide without um, getting paid or, or getting it his way. So we had all these machinations that could happen. There was chatter all day about this, kind of following along what was going to happen. And we finally arrived on this. The headliner was going to be Nate Diaz against Tony Ferguson, who we just talked about. Chemayev was going to remain on the card and take on Kevin Holland instead. And then there was a story that Ferguson agreed to the deal only if he could drive around in a one of the UFC executives' Bentleys. I guess. So that was <laughs> fighters are just very strange people. Um, and in the end, uh, and then, so uh, also Lee Jung Lang, who was uh, supposed to fight Tony Ferguson got rebooked against, uh, I can't remember who he actually fought, but the guy was like 10 pounds heavier than he was. So he kind of got the short end of the stick. And then in the end we had uh neat Diaz triumphant submitting Tony Ferguson in the fourth round of their fight, leaving on top, which is a nice, uh, a nice way to end things if you've been following along with this Diaz UFC uh, saga through the years. And uh, Hamza Chumayev submitting Kevin Hall rather easily in their fight. So Diaz free. Uh, Li Jinglang not only lost the fight, but again, it was kind of just this uh, again, guy fought 10 pounds over. He said afterwards he got no, there was no like additional compensation for him. Like he had to take this lesser wow. fight and didn't get any extra money or anything like that. Nate Diaz said uh, afterwards he was sorry that everything had to happen to him because he, he liked his suit. He had this like really nice suit uh, Lee did and uh, didn't really get to show it off. So this was just a, this was just a scene. Again, you couldn't have scripted this up any better with 
the chaos going into this, the fight which we knew was going to be one-sided getting flipped to more competitive fight. They still got Chemayev a win, which they wanted, against Kevin Holland, who is a, who is a name uh, in terms of UFC stature these days. And it kind of was a story there with the, the background and everything. You had Nate Diaz basically giving the double birth to the UFC on the way out because he won. And uh, yeah, this was just... Uh, this whole thing was a scene, man, and I love it. I love this type of stuff, and this you couldn't have scripted it up any better. No, and and I'm I'm amazed. You kind of hinted at it, but you didn't really say it. Um, so this happened. This the first of all the press conference. This was, I think, four days after the brawl out in Chicago. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah, and um, and so. To see the differences in how Dana White handled when things were starting to get out of hand and how Tony Khan handled it was alarming because basically as soon as Dana White saw that there was trouble coming, he shut it down. He said, this is done. We're not dealing with this because they could have had a situation that got out of hand if he would have let it keep going. So that was the first thing. And if that was the only thing that happened, that would have been pretty wild. But uh, then, you know, then we had Shemaev missing weight and, you know, and he's had issues, you know, going back and forth between middleweight and welterweight and, um, you know, and claiming he's going to be a world champion in both weight classes and and all this stuff. So they ended up, um, like you said, they had to rejig the whole card and they ended up with a card that I think a lot of people thought was actually a better card. Yeah. Um, which is amazing because they did it on like 24 hours notice. And they, you, you know, you're 100% correct in that the guy that got the short end of the stick out of the six fighters in the top three fights was uh, the leech, um, you know, ended up having to fight a middleweight uh, at a catch weight of 180 pounds. And not only that, but he, he, by, by most accounts won that fight mm. and they gave the decision to Rodriguez. So that yeah, as split, well. Yeah. And yeah, so you, 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 um, you, you take all that into account and really like they should have taken care of him better. Um, my understanding is Kevin Holland got a lot of money to take that Chamaya fight. So he, he was taken care of and Tony Ferguson in a main event in uh, 2022 was wild Amazing. and he actually looked good for, for a little while before uh, Diaz, you know, finally took over and finished him in the fourth um, and, you know, went out the door and I think we're going to see Nate Diaz back, you know, at, at some point he, you think so? Talking about wanting I do. I do. I, I, you know, I just don't think anybody else is going to be able to pay him what, what he wants to make. And maybe he'll do a match with, you know, Jake Paul or something, but um, I think the market on that is kind of drying up as well. So, um, you know, unless, you know, Bellator, you know, find some money and decides they want to pay him. But I, I do, I do think we, we're going to see him back. Nick's talking about fighting again, you know, and soon. So I, I do, I, if I had to put money on it, I'd say we'd see Nate Diaz by the end of 2023 back in UFC. But really, you know, you huh. know yeah, I, yeah, but you disagree. I, I can't see it. The only fight that makes sense for both guys is the McGregor trilogy. If you're sure, signing yeah. one up, because McGregor at this point is such like an unknown, like uh, he talks and talks and talks. It has been so long since he's fought. He's put on there, so much muscle and I, I don't, but that fight, I mean, you do that. You could sign a one-off deal. Um, mm-hmm. it would, they would have to, they would, the part of me doesn't think it happened because they'd want to sign Diaz to like a multi-fight deal. And unless he's like, I'm just going to do this once more time and then retire. Uh, cause they, they want to have all this control over it and they don't really sign one-offs, but if they were to ever do it and make a shit ton of money, I mean, this, 
it, it's sitting right there because so many casual fans uh, remember the the first two fights in that whole series. You'd make a ton of money, and you'd have to they they would have to change a lot of their previous patterns in terms of how they put fights together, um, and and kind of just be like, okay, we're just going to do this as a as a one off. It's possible. You'd have to have ESPN yeah. involved and and basically being like, yeah, we want to make let let's whatever it takes, make it happen type thing. But it's possible. I don't, I can't imagine Nate Diaz just going in and being one of the gang again. I think it'd have to be the McGregor fight and a ton of guaranteed money, but I don't know. We'll see. The, the one I'd like to see is, and we've never seen this, believe it or not, is uh, Robbie Lawler. Um, oh, interesting. You know, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, you could, you could play off of that, you know, maybe you could even do the, you, you know, you could even rematch them with Leon Edwards. I mean, they had that fight where, you know, Leon Edwards was dominating and then Nate Diaz almost won in the fifth round. Yeah. You could sell that, um, you know, and, and so, yeah, there's, there's money to be made on both sides there. So we'll see if that happens, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So I just, I thought, you know, overall, you know, they, you know, I, I, I used this expression earlier, but uh, they made uh they made chicken salad out of chicken shit with, mm-hmm. you know, with the, with the hand they were dealt. And uh, it turned out to be a pretty fun weekend and, you know, another, another sellout, probably one of their biggest shows of the year, I would think. And we never got any pay-per-view buy numbers, but just kind of reading the landscape, um, you know, Nate Diaz is, you know, one of the bigger stars that UFC has and Tony Ferguson's a name people know. And so, you know, we'll, uh, we'll see, you know, whatever becomes of any of this. Um, the only guy I think out of those top six that, fought again in the year was kevin holland and uh and he lost so um you know in, in, a, in a main event you know uh, a couple months later so yeah but yeah uh pretty fun card one thing i'll say from that card as well um another undercard fight that people might want to check out and mainly for the post-fight interview was uh chris barnett and jake collier they had a fun fight on the prelims a couple fat heavyweights and uh <laughs> and then and then chris curtis was like did it, did, or not, it was not Chris Curtis. Um, Chris Collier said, uh, "Yeah, no, it's Jake Collier and um, Huggy Bear, Chris Barnett." Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, and he did just this hilarious promo after the fight. He was dancing and just like this—he's just the most fun guy in the world. And you watch his fight, and you, you just want to root for him. Um, just um, yeah, I go back and check it out on UFC Fight Pass if if you're bored this weekend. Um, uh, just a lot of fun. And, and he's a guy that I always look forward to seeing. He's an undercard guy. He's never going to be, you know, in the top 15 or fighting for a title, but guys like that, I just, they make for the guys that watch every week, they make the shows fun to watch. Uh, when you see those names come up on the marquee. Exactly. Uh, let's see. So let's go through the other chunk of the first chunk of the month, rather, uh, Vanderlei Silva officially retired from MMA. However, he said he would. He does. He does want to box Dan Henderson. So I throw that out there. Uh, Darren Till was arrested for DUI in Sweden and got a UFC two A two opponent in the same month. Good for him. <laughs> Jorge Masvidal's assault trial. Again, the whole Kobe Covington situation that was rescheduled. Uh, UFC making their debut in Paris. Second ones in after uh, Bellator. Uh, Robert Whitaker decisioning Marvin Vittori in the headliner, and then Cyril Gunn knocking out Tai Tuivasa. Fight of the night, so Cyril Gunn, obviously the uh, the local favorite there. Uh, I mentioned this. Luke Rockhold hinted at a comeback in a few years. He always said it could be one, two, three years. Who knows? So, yeah, fighters don't retire. Just wait for the next big payday. Uh, speaking of, Chris Cyborg began planning for her retirement run. It was official. Anderson Silva versus Jake Paul set for October in Phoenix. Nate Diaz, leading into the uh, the aforementioned fight, said that 
he was kind of open about UFC wanting to negotiate and keep him around. So he he made a crazy demand, say he wanted contracts for all ten of his fighters in order to sign. And the UFC said yes, and they started kind of laying out this whole scenario. And he was like, "Oh shit!" So that didn't happen. Uh, Dustin Poirier versus Michael Chandler was official for UFC 281. Obviously, that would turn out to be a great fight. We'll talk about that next episode. Tiago Santos signed with the PFL. Sad story here: Elias uh, Elias Teodoro dead at just 34 years old after colon cancer. Obviously, he was a uh, a Canadian fixture in terms of uh, the mm-hmm. UFC. He was on the uh, the tough season, which was. Uh, the Australia versus Canadian season, if I'm remembering yeah, that tough, right. Tough Nations, I think. They tough Nations, it. that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, so we'll talk more about that. Like Hasbula Magbeth. This Hasbula <laughs> guy is like three feet tall. Has it's just he's a he's like a barstool like social media creation and uh, and what have you. So Hasbula Magomedov signed a five year UFC deal to promote shows. So uh, take that what you will. Uh, I'm sure he's probably getting paid more than a lot of the fighters. Uh, fighters, speaking of, they're not getting paid by this new UFC sponsor, sponsorship deal with The Rock and Under Armour, with the sneakers. That kind of became uh, a narrative uh, story uh, in uh, in September. Uh, they had to wear the shoes. Nate Diaz famously saying these shoes sucked and all this stuff. And that did not make air, of course. Um, Liz Carmouche versus uh, Juliana Velasquez, too, was set for Bellator 289, that being for uh, the title that uh, Carmouche had just won. Conor McGregor was revealed. This was an interesting story. Revealed he was not tested by USADA since the third quarter of 2021, and that raised a lot of eyebrows as to why that was happening. Of course, during this time, McGregor posting a ton of pictures on uh, social media about him bulking up and uh, not being tested. Kind of strange there. Calvin Cater versus Arnold Allen set for a October Fight Night 63 headliner. Sean Strickland versus Jared Cannonier was rescheduled for a UFC Vegas Fight Night 66 in December. And we talked about this before. Mom Raish unretiring, signing with PFL, and was set to face Shane, set to face Shane Burgos at uh, the PFL 22 championships, championships show, which we'll talk more about in a second. Thoughts about any of that? Uh, UFC Paris was uh, a big show for for them. Um, went head to head, if you remember, with uh, Clash of the Castle. Um, and, yes. and so it was interesting to see have two shows from UFC and WWE both taking place in Europe, uh, relatively close to each other. And 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 I was kind of watching them. I was going back and forth between the two shows and comparing the crowd and everything. And the one thing that was notable was one of the companies had five fighters on the card from their home country that all won their won their matches and it was not the company that chooses the winners <laughs> <laughs> which was uh-huh. very interesting um and and honestly it worked out very very well like the um the, you know the crowd just kind of you know built and built and built and every time a french fighter was coming out like and even the opener uh stephanie egger in the opener she um she spoke french to the crowd so you know they were really into her and then uh, benoit saint denis he was the first uh french fighter and he just got a huge pop and got a big win and then just every french fighter that came out after that just more and more big there's even a french canadian fighter that that fought on there charles Jordan. and uh yeah and uh by the time we got to the main event with cyril gone and tied to ivasa you know great fight and cyril gone just completely outclassed him and looked very much like you know like the number one contender number two contender you know basically whoever sorts out out of uh john jones and um uh, Francis Ngannou is, you know, probably looking at Cyril Gan as as their next uh, opponent. So um, that, yeah, that was a big, big, 
day for UFC and, uh, you know, night, another big gate for a fight night. And uh, just, you know, every time they happen, you just question why they keep going back to the apex. Um, the Elias Cerdoro hit me kind of hard because, again, you know, Canadian fighter. I watched his whole career. Um, this kind of kicked off a string and, and we'll talk about a couple more high profile deaths on the next show, but, um, you know, and this one was different from the other two, but anytime a fighter that is so close to their fighting career passes away, like it, it's just shocking. And this one came out of nowhere, like all of a sudden, just one day, you know, I, I think it was like a Sunday morning and woke up and I got this news and I'm like, is this real? And, and yeah, sure enough, he hadn't, you know, some people knew, but most people didn't that he'd been suffering with this for like a year. And, um, and, and, you know, and he uh, donated, uh, he had set up a trust fund to, um, um, for med uh, medicinal marijuana um, yeah. to use as healing and stuff. So, you know, he kind of left a legacy behind and UFC did a nice little tribute for him on one of the shows a couple months later. Um, you know, they had his family there and, uh, that, that was really nice, but, uh, you know, sad to see him go. Probably one of the things that a lot of people remember him for, in addition to being on tough was he was the ring card boy yes. in Victa. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He would show up at the weigh-ins and, you know, carrying and at the fights, carrying the cards and, you know, a very entertaining guy, kind of like in the Tom Lawler mode, um, you know, of, uh, you know, of, of just, you know, he kind of gets it you know, in terms of like the per or got it, I guess would be the better way to put it. Um, you know, good looking guy, uh, was a model. Um, you know, I think he was, I think he did like, um, he, he modeled for like, um, what's that? Like the romance novels, like oh, the Harlequin, know, the Harlequin books. Yeah. 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 He kind of had that look. So, um, and then the McGregor thing, uh, the first person I actually saw that noticed this and maybe there was others, but it was actually, you know, my, my podcast partner, Ryan Frederick, uh, pointed it out. And, and, you know, and, and his whole thing, and he's contended this all along, and I think it's proven. The reason he wasn't tested, and nobody realized at the time, technically he's retired. Um, and so because he's retired, he's not subject to USADA testing, and that's why he hasn't been tested. But because they never officially announced that he's retired, and, and nobody to this day has really even confirmed it, but that's the only way that he's getting away with not being tested is if he's retired. And then as soon as he decides that he's going to fight again he'll have to go back in the testing pool and i'm sure they'll test him but right now the reason he's not being tested is because he's not in the testing pool so you know people are going to look at it like oh yeah he's getting favorable treatment and all that but no like you know ufc has nothing to do with you know who and when you saw the tests but if the fighter is retired they're not going to test them and so you know mcgregor he's taking time off to do that roadhouse movie and yeah he's bulked up and he's not gonna be tested and as soon as they announce a fight for him then you'll know he's in the testing pool and he'll <laughs> probably be tested when he was in the testing pool he was tested as as much as anybody else was so um yeah i, I think people are trying to make this into a story that it's not really other than the fact that you know conor mcgregor is retired and no one's talking about it you know but it's you know it's an on-paper retirement so he can get around the drug testing all right, let's go through the rest of the month and finish things up. UFC Vegas 60 results. Corey Sanhagen picking up a big TKO win over Yadong Song. Uh, Aspen Ladd missed weight again. Her fight with Sarah McMahon was canceled. Then she was cut. Of course, this is a, just, it seems like every time, nearly every time in the past couple of years, a uh, year and a half, Aspen Ladd tried to make weight. Just a scary scene on the scale. So clearly just, yeah, th this needed to happen and some correction needs to happen here. Uh, you want her, I mean, young kid and you don't want her you know, whole life to be ruined by, by just these cuts that clearly are not working. We talked about this earlier. Uh, Jose Aldo officially retired with one fight left on his UFC deal. 
Uh, Joe Rogan said that he has a clause in his contract that he'd be done with the UFC when or if Dana White retires. Be the only way that he would leave. Uh, former UFC featherweight champ Jermaine Durandamy, the Iron Lady, revealed that she was pregnant. That seemed her being the champion feels like a lifetime ago. <laughs> you know, yeah. crazy. Uh, Eddie Alvarez left one. Uh, I was talking about <laughs> going into boxing. UFC signed a a prospect, seventeen year old Raul Rosas, who I know Dana White's excited about. You've mentioned before, and uh, seems to have a lot of buzz. Young kid, Scott Coker said they were in dialogue with Nate Diaz. Uh, attention come to Bellator. We'll see about that. Kevin Holland claimed he was retiring at just twenty nine years old. That obviously changed, as you alluded to. Dana White talked about this. Uh, did this interview? Talked about seeing special doctors at one point in his life that gave him ten point four years to live. And when you're super rich, you can find these doctors that can give you these exact totals. So he uh, made some life changes there. Uh, based on that, Bellator 285 results, uh, Yoel Romero knocking off Melvin Manhoff, who retired after this. Of course, that retirement wouldn't last too long. And then ben- Benson Henderson defeating uh, Peter Queeley in the main event. Uh, just kind of keep keep on, keep it on, as Benson Henderson does. Uh, Devson Figueredo versus Brandon Reino 4 was being finalized for UFC 283. Bo Nickel. Got his contract officially after a 52-second Dana White Contender Series win. It was announced to be making his main roster debut at UFC 282. Rafael Dos Anjos uh, now he was going to be moving back to welterweight. He had said that his uh, his title run and title days were over. And he was set to do uh, want to do fun fights and set to take on uh, Brian Barberena at a December UFC Fight Night event. There are rumblings of Mark Zuckerberg renting out UFC Vegas 61 in the entire show. <laughs> Danny White said there was no way. It's just a bullshit story. We'll talk more about that on the next episode. Kayla Harrison and five other set her her fight and also five other million dollar finals uh, fights were set for the PFL pay per view debut in December. We'll talk more about that next time. Uh, Kelvin Gaslam versus Nasarine Imanov was set for the very first uh, fight night of uh, 2023 in the main event there, and then Bryce Mitchell versus Movzar Evelev <laughs> headlining a UFC Vegas fight night uh, 64 event uh, coming up. Thoughts about any of that? Yeah, uh, not not a ton there. The Aspen Lad thing, uh, that was actually the second time in a row. They were originally scheduled to fight the previous month, and the fight was canceled. And then, yeah, she got cut. And then Sarah McMahon, I, I think her contract ran out. And so she's she actually just recently signed with um, – uh, Bellator. So um, yeah, so we we ended up not not seeing either one of those people uh, fight again. Uh, Jose making the retirement that we talked about earlier in the show official. Um, again, you know, just the OGs continuing to to be gone. Uh, UFC signing Raul Rosas that was coming off a contender series uh, fight, and then you know he would end up making his UFC debut uh, later in the year as an 18 year old which I believe made him the youngest fighter in UFC history. Um, and uh, you watch this guy and, you know, you just, you look at him and he looks like a, like a young Max Holloway. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and, but, but fights like, you know, you'd think he was 25, like watching him in the cage. So it's, it's very interesting guy to watch. And another person to definitely keep an eye on. There were a couple of young, young guys and gals that they, that they have coming up that, you know, I'm kind of excited about. Um the uh, De- Devison Figueredo, uh, Brandon Moreno, you know, when you talk about it being the fourth fight in, I think, just, you know, maybe like two and a half years. Yeah. Feels like overkill, but I, I also think anybody that saw those other three fights, you know, have no problem seeing it again. It's just, I'm not sure that we've ever had, uh, uh, you know, the same two fighters fight four times in the UFC. So 
that, that's interesting. And honestly, like if they have another close fight, I <laughs> we could end up seeing it a fifth. <laughs> Just time, keep going and going which, and going. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? You know, I mean, Hey, it's great. Um, and, uh, the Zuckerberg thing. Yeah. That was, uh, I, I know when, when that story first broke, it was like, okay, they're going to have an actual empty arena show, but nobody knows why. And, uh, and then, you know, word started leaking out that, yeah, you know, they're, they're, you know, Mark Zuckerberg's renting it out. They're going to be testing out some, you know, virtual reality kind of camera work and something, you know, and, and all these different rumors coming out and Dana White's just like, no, no, no. But then he wouldn't say why. Um, and it's like, well, you know, mm. like, why are you banning media? Why are you banning fans? You know, they were selling tickets to these shows, not a lot, but, you know, like 50 to 100 tickets at like super high prices, you know, kind of the VIP experience. And then for this, you know, I guess uh, Zuckerberg got the real VIP experience. Golden <laughs> you know, ticket. A, yeah. Yeah. Getting the whole arena to himself. But, you know, I, I but, you know, Dana White said no. So I, I you know, we take Dana at his word mm. until we actually see it happen. Uh, which we will talk about next week. So yeah, that that was that. Um, yeah, the yeah the other you know the the main events getting made. It was I know when they first you know when I first heard about that Gasolum uh, Nasser Nasserine fight, I was like January 2023. You kidding me already? I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's how close to the end of the year we are. That's so. right. That's right. That was a fun three month stretch. Again, the the Nate Diaz stuff was, was a lot of fun. Uh, we had the big obviously the big upset with. Uh, Edwards picking up the win. And yeah, this was uh, out of the ones that we've done. This is probably my favorite three month stretch in terms of a mix of wacky stuff happening, big results, you know, the upsets and, and not just upsets at the, the lower end of the car, but the, the upper end, you know, to see these, these but championship between, things. Between pro wrestling and uh, MMA, like what a three months. I know, yeah, right? Like, yeah, like with the Vince McMahon and the uh, all out and yeah, all that stuff. And then all this wacky ufc and mma stuff wow I had, and we didn't even talk about bellator on this show like at all like did they run was, a show uh <laughs> like, there was there mean, wasn't uh we a, a little bit i mean when i was going yeah. through there was just not a lot happening in bellator during this stretch yeah we'll chat about them a little bit more but uh in the uh the finale here but yeah there was just there was not a lot happening all the results were here so it was just kind of like yeah a meh you know uh three months here but yeah this was a. Uh, this was fun. Again, the Diaz stuff was, was fun. And, and yeah, we'll, uh, yeah. So next episode, we'll, we'll wrap things up October, November, and December. We'll see uh, another big title change in a year of big title changes. Uh, spoiler alert there. We'll have some, some results and, uh, yeah, all types of other. Yeah. I forgot that the, 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 that whole thing happened the same week as All Out. And that was just, yeah, absolutely crazy. What a week. <laughs> what a week what a year paul fontaine yeah. before we go uh give you a chance to plug away again where people can can uh hear your voice and uh, your singing voice and, and all that good stuff and talk more <laughs> about mma and other stuff the floor is yours sure uh, a couple things i'll plug because i've talked about the podcast uh you know before on, on these shows but uh if you're uh obviously if you're listening to this you're an mma fan and uh, ryan frederick and i on our show in the clinch we um we kicked off the show on tuesday talking about Stefan Bonner and we put that clip up on YouTube. So, uh, you know, it's about, we talked about him for about 10, 15 minutes and uh, you can find that on the fight game media YouTube channel, just search in the clinch and uh, you'll see that. And uh, you know, Ryan was actually in attendance at the uh, Griffin Bonner fight at the tough finale. So, you know, he has a unique perspective uh, on that. And uh, as well, uh, something I'm going to be recording um, tonight as we're recording this, but it'll, uh, It'll go up on the Fight Game Media YouTube channel as well. Is uh, going to be an AEW uh, kind of a year in review mm. award special. 
so people can check that out. We're going to put it up for free on the uh, Fight Game Media YouTube channel. So uh, just search. We're calling it the Second Annual Hook Awards. And, uh, you know, uh, Wrestler of the Year, Show of the Year, Moment of the Year, you know, all that year-end stuff. Uh, Matt Hardy Deletion Award. If we could get rid of one thing in the year, what would it be? Uh, you know, so some fun stuff. And it would be myself, Jeff Hawkins, and Kevin Ely uh, from uh, The Boom. Uh, and Jeff and I have the Dynamite show, so we call it Boom Goes the Dynamite. Um, and, uh, yeah, that'll that'll be up for free, so you can check that out. And uh, and then, yeah, Josh and I will be back uh, next week with the final one of these, which That's I right. look forward to every year. Yeah, yeah, as do I. Yeah, big stuff ahead. And uh, thanks so much, Paul. We'll talk to you in uh, in a week. Absolutely. All right. Big thanks to Paul Fontaine for dropping by. As always, you will hear his dulcet tones coming up next week in the grand finale of the MMA Year in Review series, looking at the final three months of the year. Of course, the Pro Wrestling Year in Review series also will wrap up next week as well, capturing every single thing that happens right up to the last minute of 2022. It's how I like it. You got to get everything in. Everything can happen these next couple of days. So I got to make sure I get it all in. And that'll be coming up next week as well. And yeah, you know, 16 episodes is almost done. 14 down, two more to go. I greatly appreciate the the love you guys are spreading about this series, MMA and of course pro wrestling. And yeah, I greatly appreciate it a lot. It's good to get some promotion, you know. It's good that good to have other people listen to this and enjoy it and yeah, it's really all I can say. So big thanks to Paul Fontaine. Thanks to all of you. I know you have a lot of choices in your podcast day. I greatly appreciate the time you spend with me or any of the fine podcast hosts and guests here on WrestlingObserver.com like Paul. So until next time, which will be next week in 2023, be safe on New Year's Eve if you're going out. Don't drink a drive. Get an Uber. Get a ride. Stay home. Do whatever you have to do. Don't screw up someone else's life or your own life. Don't do it. So until next time, be safe, my friends. Insert catchphrase here.